the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So if I'm going to live for the sake of the name, I'm going to live in obedience. I'm going to tell his story. And then I'm going to depend on his power. Because in his power, I can find great strength. And with his power, I can do all things. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So so we live for what's in our best interest. But for some of us, we're living for somebody else's namesake. I see a lot of parents, they live for their children's namesake. And I even see grandparents who live for their grandchildren's namesake. Some live for the name they want to have. So they live for their job or, or for their bank account. But we're all living for someone. Psalm 79, 9 says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us, atone for our sin, for your name's sake. Here's what I want us to get today. You know, we're talking about getting it. Here's what I want us to get. When you live for Jesus, you're making a conscious decision to live for the sake of his name. So what does it look like? Can we really make that practical? What does it look like to live for the sake of his name? I think you find that in the response of these earliest apostles. Remember what had happened? The Sadducees said, I told you, stop it. Stop talking about his name. Stop mentioning his name. Stop preaching his name. Stop it. What did they do? Look at verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. Let's read that underlined phrase together. We must obey God rather than man. One more time. We must obey God rather than man. What does it mean to live for the sake of the name of Jesus? When you live for the sake of his name, you obey his commands. It's simple. Obedience has always been a defining mark of the Christian life. In the earliest writings in the New Testament, we see that to be a follower of Jesus, if you love him, you do what he says. You obey his commands. That doesn't mean there won't be obstacles to obedience. But you make a decision to obey what he said to do. Obedience, we've already discovered, always brings his blessings. And disobedience always results in consequences. We are still in our household trying to implant this principle of first 
lifetime obedience. When mom or dad says to do something, you obey what we say to do. So yesterday we had a long drive back from South Carolina. And let's just say there were more opportunities to teach this lesson. Often we get a question back in response to something we've asked to done. Why? And, and so we say, sometimes you just do it because I said so. But then we get more questions. And here's the question. If not, what? And then this precious little girl says this word with a question mark. Consequence? (laughs) She understands that with disobedience comes consequences. But here's her challenge. She's wrestling through whether or not she's just willing to take the consequence. I think some of us are in the same boat. We recognize that obedience brings blessing. We recognize that disobedience brings consequence. But sometimes we just say, that's all right. I'll just suffer the consequences. I want to ask you a simple and straightforward question today. Are you living in obedience to the things that God has already told you to do? Most of us, it's not the problem of what we don't know to do. We're not doing the things we know to do. So for example, is there anything God's told you to do that you're not doing? Is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there a relationship that you need to take the step to restore? Is there a discipline or a habit that you need to develop? Is there a gift that you need to give? And it may be a gift and faithfulness to the Lord's church, but it may be a gift that God has laid on your heart about giving to someone. A gift that that you're supposed to give to someone. I love what Adrian Rogers, the great preacher, used to say. Dead noses smell no roses. He was saying, do your giving while they're living. Is there a gift you need to give? Is there a testimony or witness that you need to express? I want to remind you that delayed obedience or or partial obedience is still disobedience. Are you being obedient? When you live for the sake of his name, you live in obedience. But here's the second thing. Look at verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now, remember what had just happened. They're standing in the presence of the Sadducees. And what did the leader of the Sadducees just say to him? Stop talking about Jesus. What does Peter do? Uh, The God of our fathers raised Jesus. He's just stirring the pot. You know, in general, we shouldn't be pot stirrers. But when it comes to the name of Jesus, I believe he's honored when we just stir the pot. He's stirring the pot because, remember, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. And, and so Peter says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses of these things. So as the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. See, when you live for the sake of his name, you tell his story. You, you just have to. 
The apostles responded to the challenge to be silent with shouts of praise to Jesus. Is that how you respond to the obstacles in your life? Again, in South Carolina, I was just reminded of the funny things about growing up in the South. and So there are things we just say. Like if you see somebody that just needs a little help, what do we say? We say, bless his heart. Yeah, bless his heart. Or if somebody's going through something difficult, a challenge, maybe they say, well, praise the Lord. But that should be our response. We should find a way to just shout praises and honor to Jesus. It's it's simply unbiblical to say that you're living for the name of Christ. And yet your life and testimony is not telling his story. I, I want you to understand that that's why I think people look at us and say they don't get it. How do they call themselves Christians? <laughs> and, and yet they don't tell the story. I, forgive me if you get tired of me telling stuff like this, but I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that our, our little girl, she's got a little racket going. And it's she'll talk to people about their name and she'll then ask them about their age. And then she'll ask them, do you know Jesus? And to be honest, just a moment of confession, I hadn't planned to say this. Sometimes that makes me nervous, and I I feel like, man, is that appropriate? Because she really does that all the time. So um, this week, we were in a shoe store, Vans, and um, Emily came out, and Emily was helping us. And Anaya went through her little routine. Uh, Hi, what's your name? I'm Emily. What's your name? I'm Anaya. How old are you? You sound 20. (gasps) Wow, you're exactly right. I am. I'm 21. Then she said, do you know Jesus? And and Emily said, yes. And come to find out, Emily's dad was a pastor in Virginia. But um, Kimberly and and Luke and Anaya kind of went on. And Emily and I just talked a little bit. And Emily said, your little girl made me start crying. Because after I moved down here, nobody's really talked to me about Jesus. And I I thought to myself, you know, probably as she gets a little older, we might have to work with her on technique. (laughs) But help me to be a little more bold about telling the story of Jesus. Help me not to be ashamed about inserting Jesus in, in, into what's going on in my life. Well, what, what a tragedy that someone could move to the buckle of the Bible belt and be there for years and say, I have to tell you, implying, by the way, that she had not been living for Jesus. That nobody really asked me about Jesus around here. So I would just ask you, you know, that question we've been asking, who's your one? Who's that one person in your little corner of the world that that you're thinking about, you're praying for, you're asking God to give you the opportunity to invest in their life? So live in obedience and tell his story. But let's continue. So what took place? Well, the the leader of the Sadducees, he was ticked. He was not happy. And he's like, we're going to kill them all. And this man stands up, his name's Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is a famous teacher. In fact, 
there's a the saying that goes that when when Gamaliel died, the Torah stopped being taught because he was such a famous teacher uh, of the Jews. So Gamaliel stands up. He says, not so fast, guys. I wouldn't do that. And what he goes on to say is, is really a short-sighted premise, but it has a true principle I want us to get. Here's what he said. He said, you guys remember Thutis? Now, by the way, raise your hand if you're thankful that your parents didn't name you Thutis this morning. Okay. He said, you guys remember Thutis? Thutis rose up, and he had a lot of people follow him, and he acted like he was special, but he died, and all his followers disbanded. And then he said, and you remember Judas, Judas of Galilee. Judas rose up, and he had a lot of followers. He acted like he was special, but he died, and all his followers disbanded. This Jesus you're worried about, he's dead. And if this is not of God, it'll fail. They'll disband. But if it's of God, nothing you can do will stop it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Listen, I'm just going to read it from Scripture. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. His premise is a little faulty. Because in the moment, it can seem like God has failed, right? I read just last week, the Christian church is on the verge of extinction in the nation of Iraq. So if you just look at a photograph in time of what's going on in Iraq, you could look at this premise and say it must be not true because the church is failing. There have been different countries around the world at different moments in time where evil men have pushed out the work of the church. But the principle is true. In the end, Jesus never fails. The work of God cannot be stopped. So if I'm going to live for the sake of the name, I'm going to live in obedience. I'm going to tell his story. And then I'm going to depend on his power. Because in his power, I can find great strength. And with his power, I can do all things. It's like the song we used to sing, I think back in the 90s, when there seems to be no way, God will make a way. You're going to see that over and over and over again. In the book of Acts. So I would just ask you, are you depending on the power of his name? As I look at the church, one reason I think a lot of us don't get it is because we seem to say we believe in one we're not trusting in. There's a difference between belief and trust. That's why I love Proverbs 3. I read it again this week as I'm reading through the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. He will make them straight. How how do I know if I'm trusting? Well, here's a simple test. Who do you turn to first 
in the hard moments? Where do you turn first? Do you, do you turn inward? Do you turn to self? Do you turn to someone else? Or do you turn to him? Well, why is it so important to get all this figured out? Because I have to know who I'm living for before I get to the tough moment. And the tough moment will come, right? Raise your hand if you've experienced some of the tough times of life. Yeah, those things you didn't expect, you didn't want, you feel like you didn't deserve. And, and so the tough moment's about to come because they're going to let Peter and the apostles go. But guess what? Not after they flog them. You know what it means to be flogged? They would take a whip that's comprised with a handle with the hide of a donkey, and then it would have three parts to the whip, three layers, if you will, to the whip. And on the, with that whip, they would flog a person by, by hitting them 13 times, twice on the back, and then 13 times once on the front. Two-thirds on the back, once on the front, making for a total of 39 lashes, making it one lash short of the biblical command against 40 lashes. So Paul would talk about being, what, three times I've had the 39 lashes, almost killing a person. That's what was going to take place even though they were let go. They were beaten in that way. So you had better know before the tough time comes, whose name am I living for? See, when you're trusting in the name of Jesus, you're willing to go all out for his glory, whatever it takes for his name's sake. Now look at verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Now look up just a second. What do you think they did? They kept speaking in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 41. They left in the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for what? The name. And every day in the temple. (laughs) I just love it. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Now, the last thing I want you to see is the why. Why do you think they did this? The why gives us the fourth way we know we're living for the name. Because here's the why. When we live for the sake of his name, we live to reach the nations. See, we recognize that the job's not done. I want to tell you, here's why I believe Peter and them did not cease day by day from going house to house and going to the temple, talking about the name of Jesus. Why did they not cease? They did not cease doing this because the job was not finished. What was the job? Well, it's the last thing Jesus had told them. Remember? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, look at it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's read that together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They knew they couldn't stop. 
because the job wasn't done. They didn't even understand it. I, I, I recognize that. Peter wouldn't fully get it until Acts chapter 10 when he has his vision of the sheets and he recognizes, oh, okay, the gospel really is for everybody. But at this point, I think he understands we can't stop. We've got to keep going. And I would say to you, that's why we have to get it. That's why as a church, we can't get sidetracked by things that divide us that are secondary or tertiary things, things that are not that big of a deal. That's why we must focus on the the thing that unites us, the name of Jesus and live for the sake of his name and live for the nations. People who study this tell us there are still 17,072 different people groups around the world. And 7,102 of those, as of this morning, are still considered unreached. That means 98% of their population have not heard the name of Jesus. In a world population of 7.68 billion people, that means 3.19 billion people are unreached. 41.6% of the world. We have got to get it. Do you get it? Are you living for his name? Are you living for the nations? Are you really just too busy to notice? In a banal setting and at an inconvenient time, would people pause to observe transcendent beauty? That was the question asked by the Washington Post when it commissioned Joshua Bell, one of the foremost violin players of our generation, to play in a Washington subway station during morning rush hour. So dressed in a nondescript manner, in a jeans, t-shirt, and a baseball cap, Bell opened up his case, took out his violin, which happened to be the Gibson X Huberman, handcrafted in 1713 by Antonio Stradivari, and he began to play magnificent music. He started with Chacon from Bach's Parita Number no. 2 in D minor. Some have called it the greatest piece of music ever written. Others consider it one of the greatest achievements of anything human ever. For 45 minutes, one of the greatest musicians played one of the greatest instruments And the greatest music ever written. Did anyone stop to listen? Did anyone get it? Well, it's all recorded on camera. 1,100 people walked by. Seven stopped to listen. And 27 threw money into the open case before them for a total of $32. The night before, Bell had sold out Boston Symphony, where the cheapest seat went for $100, making his wage an average of $1,000 per minute. The answer to the question was clear. In a banal setting, in a busy moment, no one paused to notice the beauty. They didn't get it. I think in many ways we live in the busiest time in history, at least with our attention spans, right? We can't even sit in church for an hour and a half without our phone distracting us 
either intentionally or unintentionally. It's hard to pause, isn't it? See? It's hard to pause and focus on what's really going on. I pray that God lets us be a people, a church, that get it. For His name, for the nations, for His glory. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.